Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dak Shepard. Hi, Emmy-nominated Dak Shepard. No, no, that accolade goes to you, my friend. Emmy-nominated Miniature Mouse, Monica Padman. And our guest is also Emmy-nominated and Emmy winner. Oh, sure. Bill Hader, uh, one of my all-time favorite SNL cast members. So funny. Has an incredible show that you're probably already watching, Barry, on Mm. HBO. Yes. Fantastically made. Such a great tone. And, of course, you loved him in Trainwreck. He and Fred Armisen have documentary now, and maybe Seth Meyers involved in that too, right? I think he the might three of them. It, yeah. Anyways, documentary now is hysterical. Uh, he will also be in It Chapter Two coming this fall. He's very attractive. You felt very attracted to him. I it? already did, and then I still do. And it was confirmed in the room. <laughs> yeah, he's quite attractive, and he's got rhythm as we get into. Oh yeah. In this wonderful episode of Armchair Expert with Bill Hader. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. We are supported by Taco Bell. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an So, Bill, I'm so excited you're here. We've been wanting to have you since the very beginning. Oh, that's awesome. I put you in the forte category. I think you're so talented. Oh, thank you, man. And you're also so nice. I remember meeting you at Saturday Night Live years and years ago when I was visiting. And you were just one of those people that was super nice and found five seconds, even though you didn't have five seconds. (laughs) And Darcy. Oh, Darcy Carter. Darcy. Darcy is the best. There's a weird thing happening here, which is Monica started out nannying. For oh. Kristen and I. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And she now runs Kristen's entire life and writes everything <laughs> Kristen does. And then she also does this podcast. Oh, that's awesome. So for folks that don't know, Darcy Carden was your nanny for yeah. a minute, right? She was our nanny, oh my gosh, for about three or four years. And she was great. And then I was still in New York. And then she moved to L.A. with Jason Carden, her husband, who's one of the oh, greatest guys mm. in the Not world. to mention one of the handsomest sons yeah, of bitches. Yeah, super good-looking guy. And yeah. also, <laughs> incredibly. he now works for Seth Meyers, a Seth Meyers company, and he's doing amazing. But Jason used to help out on the SNL digital shorts. Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah. So he was always on the set of the SNL digital shorts. And 
always you would have female cast members or oh. people in the makeup, hair and wardrobe going, who is that guy? <laughs> yes. Getting you coffee. <laughs> Who's that certified 10 that just, who is who you just that said? guy? And I'm like, oh, it was Jason Corden. Darcy told us that he was so gorgeous. And she just quickly assessed it as like, he's so far out of my league, I'm just going to be me. And I think she burped in front of him right out of the yeah. gates. And then I think it was like that perfect trick of mine that you can yeah. do for an audition where yeah. you're like, oh, I'll never get this. So who gives a fuck? Oh, yeah. The minute you don't care is when it all oh, happens. Yeah. You get so hot, don't you? Yeah. To everyone. Yeah, to everybody. <laughs> you're like, wow, they want nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like this. And now I'm like on that other end of it. And I do that. With, you succumb to it? Yeah. It's like, some writer will come in and go, I've never seen the show. I'm not really into your stuff. I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, uh, what's your quote? Well, I'll triple it. I don't know. I don't need to read your stuff. What's going on mentally? Is it just triggering this evolutionary thing where they must be higher status than me because they don't want anything yeah. to do with me, so now I want that? Or are you going, oh, this person's going to be honest and add a layer yeah, to the show? Yeah, I think that's what it is with me, at least. It's always like, oh, they're being real with me oh okay i appreciate that you need another person to go no they're assholes <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're just a jerk you go, oh really no they were like you're ugly and it's like yeah but even if that's true that's a shitty thing to say to somebody <laughs> no but i think with darcy and jason is that they just are these two beautiful people that found each other and you know you would just go like oh it's so cool that those two found each other yeah they're family i mean they are it's like what you're saying i mean it's yeah. their family. It's people go like, oh, she was your nanny. It's more like, no, she's kind of a part of my family, you know. There's an implicit low status thing or something embarrassing and just about the words. I don't like saying I have a nanny. Yeah. The nanny doesn't want to say he or she is a nanny. The whole thing yeah. seems so murky, yeah. right, Monica? Yeah, because one time we got in a big thing because Dax on a podcast called me his babysitter. Yeah. This was a long time ago. Well, my child's babysitter, just to be, <laughs> although you well, are very let's much be honest my about yeah, who I'm babysitting. Yeah. But and then I heard it and I was like, I don't like it when you refer to me as that. <laughs> but that's what I was doing. But I didn't feel like it covered the real relationship, and I didn't yeah. like that. Yeah, but it's like yeah. who cares. But then I quickly owned up to the fact that I was embarrassed to say I have a nanny. Yeah. So I was like, oh, babysitter's part-time. I don't seem yeah. super highfalutin to have a couple days a week I need someone. Yeah, you kind of go like, oh, I have a babysitter. It's not a full-blown <laughs> nanny. Just like right. everyone has babysitters. Come on. <laughs> right. I'm the same way you are, and I'll say we have a wonderful woman now who works for us named Susie and... I will always be like, this is Susie, you know, and I never, you know, I never, it's like, label her. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be like, yeah, she's the help. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> don't look her in the eye. If you want to ask her something, just run it by me yeah. and then I'll tell you <laughs> if it's a good time to talk to Suze. When Darcy was under your employ, were you immediately already knew she was into comedy? This is, I think, really impressive. She was just like this cool lady around my house. Yeah. I didn't know she was funny. And I remember she never would say, can I get a ticket to SNL? Sure. She didn't do any monologues for you no, or anything? nothing. <laughs> she wouldn't really talk about it with me at all. And it wasn't until three years later that Polar asked if I would come do monologues at ASCAT. And Darcy kind of sheepishly said, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to be at ASCAT. I just want to warm you. I'm going to be wanna, performing. I'm, I'm performing at ASCAT tonight, I hope <laughs> you know. And that there should have given me a clue that she wasn't just taking class. <laughs> right, right. I was like, That's oh, hard you're time. performing with Seth and Amy and all these people on ASCAT. Yeah. And that was the first time I saw it was her and Zach Woods. It was the first time I oh. ever seen either of them perform. 
And I did monologues. I sat down and watched them perform. And I was just knocked out by both of them. And then I just, when we were going home, just being like, Darcy's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Our babysitter. <laughs> She's a genius. And then when I finally had a chance with Barry, we had this acting class. I was like, oh, well, we got to put Darcy Carden in there someplace. Thinking, yeah, we're going to give her her big break. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, cool. Well, you know, I'm doing this other show. I'll, good place. I'll try to like, work sure. it around I'll my good schedule. And I was like, oh. By the way, did you happen to see, I'm um, not to put you on the spot, Spot, but the, she had her own episode. Janet, yes. I've seen it three times. Isn't it incredible? She's insane in that episode. Mm -hmm. I had this moment where I do like James Corden, you know, and you, you yeah. go in the back and there's all those pictures of all the guests. You, there's like a little photo booth there. And, and you go in, you go, oh, cool. And I'm back there about to go out and I look up and there's Darcy's picture in between Justin Timberlake and yeah. like all these other people. It's it made so me cool. so happy seeing that. I was just like, wow, she did that. And did it through a lot of hard work and being crazy talented, but just being a very genuine, good person. And do you have this experience where, like, I can enjoy Monica's success way more than I can my own? Yeah, I get more excited for other people's. I know that's such a thing that people go, yeah, sure, right. But it really is because I get very excited for somebody that, like Darcy, who I felt like did it right and deserves it. And I remember I had to take, have you guys ever had to take prednisone before? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's yep. a steroid to help with inflammation. I was on a lot for a little bit there. And apparently you're not supposed to drink when you're on prednisone. Okay. And I had some tequila oh. and basically got the makings of an ulcer in my stomach. <laughs> Ooh, my ex was out of town and I was, I called Darcy and I was like, I need you to come over here <laughs> to watch the kid. As I was like, I laid on the floor in the fetal position, just calling my doctor. I was up all night, everything. But that's like, just imagining that nice girl showed up and was like, where is she? Okay, are you okay? Do you want me to go get this? Do you need milk? Do you want me to go? I can go to a bodega. I mean, it's two in the morning. <laughs> right. Every, one time I, my kid hit her head and she started bleeding and I um, passed out. I just You like, passed out? I passed out. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And I just handed her to Darcy. I was like, I'm passing out. <laughs> I just fell down. And so, oh, no, now uh, she has to deal with the kid and you. And me. And it can cuss you. I couldn't handle seeing a kid hurt. And, and it happens kind of frequently. Yeah. They do it. Now, you're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't know that I know anyone from Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> There's not a lot of Tulsa, Oklahomans out there. Yeah. Gary Busey's from Tulsa. Okay. Jeannie Triplehorn's from Tulsa. Oh, Triplehorn. Yeah. I met Ben Stiller when I was 16 through her. She was in Waterworld, right? I'm thinking she was in Waterworld yeah. and Basic Instinct. She was in the, the great Mormon show, the HBO. Oh, show. yes. Uh, oh, Big Love. Big Love. Thank mm -hmm. you. Anyway, her best friend's son and I were good friends. And so I went over to their house for Thanksgiving one time when I was 16, and there was Jeannie Tripborn and Ben Stiller. No. Oh, wow. And no. Like, Whoa. And so I had made like a little short film, and I ran home, and I got it. <laughs> Unlike Darcy. <laughs> I was like, watch my thing. And they were like, ew. But they did. They actually did. And then Ben and Jeannie, they took me to see uh, me and my friend to go see Casino. They did? Yeah, yeah, they were so sweet. This is a very so nice. lovely story. Yeah, they were very nice. I don't know if you've ever had that thing where you kind of go, oh, there's this weird attainable, like I just met them and they're kind of normal and they're not from another 
planet or something. Because when you're in Tulsa, you think that. I couldn't agree more. It was an entire different universe. Like you could see a local newscaster occasionally, and that was huge. Like seeing Bill Bonds stumble out of a bar <laughs> yeah, drunk yeah, and yeah, get in his yeah, Corvette. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You see, that was him. <laughs> yes. And it was funny when I got sent out live, I remember me and Andy Sandberg would always do interviews together because we came in together. And, and they go, oh, would you ever know you were to be on SNL? And Andy was like, well, you know, I knew it was, you know, like a possibility I could possibly do this. And I was just like, no. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? There's no version of that that I could ever imagine that you could be allowed to do it. So I think not growing up on the coast of California, New York, meeting Ben and Jeannie at that time was a huge thing for me of, oh, I've been weirdly anointed of, hey man, that thing you made was pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, I'm moving to LA. <laughs> <laughs> Can I grab Can your I number? Stay with yeah. You? <laughs> and they were like, no. <laughs> So back in Tulsa, your dad to me sounds like an incredibly interesting person. He owned an air freight company at yeah. one point. He was a truck driver. He yeah. managed a restaurant and he also did stand up. Yeah. Yeah. This is what a guy. Yeah. My parents had me super young. My mom was 20 and my dad was 23. Uh huh. And so there was no like, oh, it's a kid's show. We should watch this. We watched whatever they were watching. Right. And went to wherever they wanted to go, which was kind of awesome. So I remember going to weird stand-up show things and hanging out in the back, being really young, and, and but it was in Tulsa, you know. Sure. But you would have people like Sam Kennison and Bill Hicks. But now your dad, when he would do stand-up, like how seriously was he taking it? It was, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do this? And then he had three kids and I just think it was, I gotta make money. And It was more of a hobby than a pursuit. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a cool thing because he couldn't help but be kind of creative. I remember just hanging out when I was a kid, when he was a truck driver, and you'd hang out with these other truck drivers, and they would talk about everything from Airwolf or whatever. Sure, on sure. TV. But also, I remember them telling about Of Mice and Men. I remember, I go, oh, I have to read Of Mice and Men for school. And I was like in fifth grade, and they went, oh, Lenny and George and the butt. You oh, know, really? These guys talking about Steinbeck. Yeah, you didn't have to be some sort of intellectual to enjoy this stuff. It was very kind of just regular yeah. people being touched by what would be considered high art. Now, do you and your dad have a similar disposition? He's more of like a man, and I'm not. Well, <laughs> I just started picturing the guy in the brawny paper towel. I don't know, everyone just really likes my dad. He came to the Barry premiere and everyone, oh my God, I love your dad, you know, because uh, he's just very personable. And mom was a dancer? She was a she dance taught teacher. Dance? Yeah. Well, don't you first have to be a dancer to teach dance no, or no? No, I think oh, you don't. rock it right into <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> She's walked in off the street. So I could teach <laughs> surgery, I perhaps. Want them to go there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. She was a dancer and then taught dance in Tulsa. One of my first jobs was working in the little boutique in the dance studio. Okay. So I had to like be behind the cash register. Selling like leotards Leotards and stuff, and stuff oh. when I was very, very young. I just remember <laughs> being terrified of them showing me how to do a cash register, which still makes me nervous. There's a theme and I'm, but the, I love your Stern interview. From that interview, I know that you had like tremendous amount of anxiety during SNL, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about, but were you anxious as a kid? Yeah, it was all below the surface and would kind of come out being goofy and funny. And I realized that I could become comfortable in a situation was by being funny or just being weird, mm -hmm. or being loud. It would kind of break the tension. But yeah, and I would talk a lot when I'm 
really nervous. I met George Saunders and Tobias Wolf once. You met Tobias Wolf? They're like two of my favorite He's, writers. Yeah. I met them and I don't think they got a word in it. I was, I was going, yeah, better, whatever, whatever. when you wrote this and you did this, and, uh, and just like laughing the whole time and everything. Like, all right, all right. I was like, oh, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Where did you meet them? George and I have been corresponding. We had never met each other. And he said, well, do you want to come up to San Francisco? And I said, yeah, man. And he goes, oh, Toby will come join us for, for dinner. Oh, wow. And he goes, oh, actually, we're going to have it at his house. And I was like, whoa. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I just never stopped speaking. <laughs> and do you beat yourself up pretty bad wh yeah, when that happens? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that I've very consciously been working on. Internalize it and then speak. Do you think it was that nature of yours was just genetic biochemical or do you think your situation that you felt like was giving you anxiety? When you grow up in Tulsa and you play sports and you enjoy it, but you're doing everything you're kind of supposed to do, but then you also yeah, really like movies and I don't really like paying attention in school. And as I got in high school, especially, I don't care about doing drugs and mm. drinking or not that I think it's bad. It's not like some Puritan thing. I just, I'd rather be doing something else. But I also want to be social. I want friends. But it gave me this anxiety that comes with trying to just be yourself. A lot of self-doubt, mm -hmm. insecurity. Right. And so in the insecurity, mine was mostly physical. Like I was like, I just hate how I look. And yeah. this better change yeah. or I'm going to have to get some help surgically or something. Mine was more of I'm not bright. I, oh. Everybody's doing good in school. I'm not. Do you think you had a learning? disability? I think I had really bad anxiety and I would spin out for any test, any sort of homework. Everything was overwhelming. Right. Everything was too overwhelming. Next Friday, we have a chemistry test. I would just say, well, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to study for it. I'm just going to blow this up. Right. I remember my SATs. I just put my name on it. And <laughs> bye, everybody. Uh, and I walked out uh, and it was, I just can't handle this. A lot of it, looking back, I now realize was anxiety. And right. I thought you were so great in Trainwreck. Oh, you, you're my favorite part in that your performance allowed for everything to be crazy around you. You were the anchor of that oh, movie. You. More importantly for me, you can't really fake being good with women. I don't think you can fake it. I watch actors do it all the time. And I'm like, oh, they're being charming, but I yeah. can feel them in real life. They don't have confidence. And when I watched that movie, I went, oh, Bill's got rhythm. He knows how to talk to ladies and mm -hmm. he's confident with ladies. Were you in high school? Were you able to like talk to women? Yeah, I like the same girlfriend for seven years. I met in high school all through her college. I didn't really go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still good friends. So in Trainwreck, Amy and I became good friends. Like I would go watch her do stand up and we were just buddies. And I think that reads. I just remembered the exact moment for me I'm actually talking about. It's when you tell her, no, 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 I like you. And I think you like me. Oh, like yeah. you're stopping her from freaking out. And that was the actual delivery where I was like, you can either say that in real life or you can't. What I saw was, oh, Bill, I think in real life can be vulnerable, but not needy. Well, that came from Amy's life. She had a guy do that to her. And I remember her saying, well, the guy, when he said it to me and she just did it and I was like, oh, okay. And then just did, did what she did. <laughs> right. <laughs> So maybe it's Amy that's so got Amy's, all this rhythm. Amy's, I think Amy's got the rhythm. I'm just doing what she's doing. But no, really, just to be honest, I think because I grew up with two sisters. I grew up next door to my grandparents. I was like around my mom and my grandmother. 
and two sisters, like all the time. I was just surrounded by women. I felt very comfortable. And also hearing them talk about men, my sisters and their friends. And it was like, oh yeah, just be friends. Like just right. hang out and be friends together and not play any games. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that for me, I think this is universal. I don't think I'm terminally unique in this, but I found so much comfort in a relationship early on just because so much of the world made me nervous. I had mm. aspirations that I didn't think I'd ever achieve. It felt extra good to me to have a safe little bubble that you can have in a relationship. Yeah. I did enjoy being in a relationship as opposed to casual, more of like a, we're together. Like yeah. the guy in that scene. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so I've always been with somebody. Yeah. You did shitty in school and then you went for a minute to a community college. Art Institute of Phoenix. And then I went to Costell Community College and people go, oh, so you're from... Arizona. Yeah, right. go, no. <laughs> then they go, why'd you go to Arizona? I go, I don't know. Right. I really don't know. But interesting tidbit, David Spade also went to Scottsdale Community College. Ah. I just saw him a while back and I was like, you know, I also went to Scottsdale Community <laughs> College. He was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but is he from there? Yeah, he's from yeah, there. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I <laughs> Now you moved in 99 to LA and you quickly became a PA. Did you think initially you were going to try to pursue acting or did you think you were going to try to direct or write or did you even know? I wanted to direct and write. Acting was never really a part of it. And I thought, I'll get on sets, I'll meet people, I'll learn how all this works and I'll be writing. And then what I found out was, oh, it's like 18 hour days. Right. And then the money I had left over was just enough to pay for bills and food and stuff. So it was like, well, I, I have to go get another job right now you know I can't. right you did it for a while though right yeah i did it from 1999 to about 2001 a pa is a production assistant and it's really the person who gets shit on the very most if you had to isolate yeah. a single department on a movie set the pas are doing what no one else wants to do no i was curious seeing that you had done it for so long i have to imagine that's impacted your behavior as an actor. Oh, 100%. It's mostly just a respect issues. You, know, you had certain people who maybe came in to it and they don't understand the amount of work that goes into making this stuff. And sure. Everybody here is busting their ass and they've been here longer than you and all these other things. And so it's just kind of, you know, uh, telling an actor like, hey, man, your scene got moved to the end of the day. You know, <laughs> and that actor yells at me and then gets in their car and drives off. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and then I have to go to my boss and go, uh, he just drove off. <laughs> so he's like, gone. What? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he left. Did he say he's going to come back? And I'm like, I don't know. He called me a fuckhead and then he got in his car and he left. So you that know? stuff did happen to you. Yeah, very rarely. Most everybody was very nice. It's complicated because on one side, I'm like, this is the worst job here. God bless these folks for working so hard. On the other side, I hate being followed somewhere yeah. and have someone whispering into a microphone, Dax is 10-100. Meaning yeah, Dax is yeah. peeing right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Like there's an infantilizing of it that rubs me the wrong way. But I actually yeah. have to think, hey, this isn't this person's fault. Well, also what I realized is that it's like anything is that there have been actors like the guy who just left. Right. And if you don't have a PA there, then the guy just leaves. If you don't have someone following that guy around. <laughs> yeah, true. Yes. And so that dude fucks it for all for of us. For all of makes us. Everybody go, actors are babies. Yeah. have to be followed around. I worked on collateral damage for Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was the base camp PA on that. 
Bill, how was your weekend? Yeah, how was your weekend? Did you, you get Did you get laid? <laughs> he, he has a weird stutter. Do, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, because he's, yeah. he's thinking of the word. I he, think it's the, the translation. He would say to me once, he's in the jungle and he's grilling, and he would be like, "This is the same. Uh, this is the same uh, jungle we shot Predator in." And I go, "Oh, cool." <laughs> he's grilling schnitzel, <laughs> and he goes, "Perfect." I would have schnitzel flown in for all the guys every week. I go, oh, cool. <laughs> and he would go, Carl Weathers, he liked the schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Ventura, he liked the schnitzel. Phil <laughs> Duke, he liked the schnitzel. <laughs> and by this point, he's talking to no one because I'm just kind of like, are you talking to me? Or are you not? He's just kind of talking to Or just like, doing like a memory exercise. Yeah, just a memory exercise. <laughs> Shane Black, he liked the schnitzel. <laughs> he's like, director John McTiernan wouldn't have it. <laughs> he he hated on, the schnitzel. He, he was on the diet. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. That, that was just funny, but you would have people treat you bad or you would watch them treat other people bad. I think what it helped me as an actor and now directing and producing all this other stuff is that there's a chain of command, but there should be like a chain of respect. And it's like, if you're kind of cool with everybody, and everyone's kind of relaxed. I would work on a movie and the director would be tense and yeah. freaked out and angry and everyone's tense. Yep. And uh, it's really a top down. Totally. And I worked on the first Spider-Man, the one with Tobey Maguire I was a PA on that. And I remember Sam Raimi, you know, that I was that guy. Sam's going outside to have a cigarette. You got to go follow him. Right. You know? Right. So I would have to go and be the guy. <laughs> spy on him. Spy on him. <laughs> and I remember him just sitting there smoking a cigarette and not looking at me. And then just offering me one oh. <laughs> you know, like, and just going like, we don't have to talk, but do you want one? Since yeah. you got to be out here, we both got to be out here. Yeah. Now you, you smoked at one point. I smoked from when I was 15 until I was 29. Okay. Mm. I'm 15 to 30. I'm right yeah. there with you. And now did you have ticks as a kid? Oh yeah. Constantly drumming, clicking. You know, like the carpet here has lines. I would do things where I would skip across the lines or if like I'm driving and you see sign coming, it was like, how many times can I go like this before it passes? Oh, uh -huh. Like it's like weird little ticks. That, yeah, and I think cigarettes was helpful for that. That and then what I was having a problem with was that I would smoke at Saturday Night Live and there was a couple of people who smoked there. Daryl Hammond was one. He, I would go into his dressing room, we'd have a cigarette before a show. And then I get migraines. And so I was getting, my migraines were getting really bad. You had to be helped out on stage yeah. at one point. Yeah, right? Sudeikis had to hold on to my arm. Because you couldn't <laughs> see, right? I couldn't see, yeah. Sudeikis held on to my arm. I was playing a guy, I had a lawn dart through my hand, I remember. And we were backstage, <laughs> it was Appalachian Emergency Room, my first season. Oh, I remember that one. And Neil Young and Johnny Knoxville were backstage with us. And I just remember going like, I can't see anything. And today because it's like don't worry man just I'll, I'll walk you to your mark and then i'll walk you off you know uh, and i was like okay i'm gonna th i might throw up out there and all this and you know there's having someone like neil young being like you know there's stuff you can take for that man you know <laughs> like, and, and, I was, and i can't see him but i can hear him oh jeez and i'm like oh wow this is how i fucking meet neil young are you serious <laughs> like, i can't see anything <laughs> i'm gonna like vomit on him and so i went out and did it and then i just went up to my office and put an ice pack and laid there and i was, couldn't talk everything oh God. finally i got out of there and i was like how did it go and they went Great. Andy in there, his short film went awesome. And it was the night Lazy Sunday play. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding. Wow. So I missed 
that entire episode, Jack Black, it was the night Forte did the spelling bee sketch, which is one of the best sketches ever. That whole night, I was in like wow. a freaking migraine stupor. Wow. What's the physiology of a migraine? Do you know what's happening? It's like an electrical charge that goes across your brain. I tend to look at my hand. I'll kind of spread all my fingers out. If I look at my middle finger, I'll just go, oh, I can only see two fingers. Oh boy. And I go, ah, shit, one's coming. It's coming. I have so many weird ailments. I have that, I have a nut allergy, I have all these things, so I usually have a little bag of just shit next to me. When did the migraine start? What age? I was in third grade. I remember I was basketball practice in third grade. And I thought I was yeah. dying. I was like, I can't see anything, I can't see anything. And I started freaking out and crying, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then my mom was like, I'm so sorry if you have migraines because I have them. And oh, it's genetic. Yeah, it was a genetic thing. So because of that, I remember going to a doctor going, well, I don't want that to happen again because it happened again a couple of days later. I got stroke symptoms and had to be rushed to the ER. I can't speak. And oh, my gosh. And I went to the ER, and then he goes, you exercise? I was like, no. <laughs> he goes, do you smoke cigarettes? I go, yes. Yeah. And he goes, well, yeah. Caffeine, couple thousand coffees a day? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I've been able to switch everything around except for the caffeine. That, that was the tougher one. I'm still kind of a slave to that. Me know? too. I was delighted to see you wanted a cup of coffee when you got here. Because oh, I, I generally have to shut it down at like 2 if I have any shot of going to bed. Oh, yeah. And so when I see someone be brazen and <laughs> reckless like you. It's, for me, it's like watching like Travis Pastrana do backflips. Like, holy shit, Bill's drinking. It's four. He's going to fucking like, do it. Yeah, man. That's, that's how we know we're just at an age now where it's like, man, I had coffee at four. And it's yes. like, oh, totally. <laughs> so you were a PA for a while. The Scorpion King was your last. Yeah. And you, you quit being a PA after that. I went crazy on that one. Hours were crazy. We were there shooting this movie, yeah, with The Rock. And it was all night. Ooh. Mm. And I remember driving home and I started falling asleep and I pulled over to the side of the road and I just, I passed out and cars were just. <laughs> Ugh. And I just, well, I got to go to a hotel. I pulled into this hotel. I go in and I go, I need a room. And I'm making no sense. And the woman's crying. Oh boy. And I go, what happened? And she goes, this woman just murdered her children. And she was watching the Andrea Yates thing on oh, TV geez. and I started crying I was like wait what like the world was ending I was like what's going on I go what is happening yeah <laughs> and she goes I don't know and I go can I get a room she's like yes I go great and I did went you in my room and I just like got under the covers I was like just everybody just fuck off this is terrible what is happening in the world right now and I remember waking up turning the TV back on and it was the movie The January Man with Kevin uh, Klein. Yes. And I took a shower and I watched some of The January Man. And then I just went, I don't want to be a PA anymore. <laughs> I, I got to figure something else out. I, I have to make stuff. But it was something about what transpired mentally for me. Well, you're not getting closer to anything. You're not getting closer to anything is the perfect way to put it. You're like, I'm not being creative mm -hmm. at all. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert. If you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. 
I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be Rob specific. and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> but then you felt much better after. I felt much better, and I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful, and if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It Mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. And then you ended up, you saw a show at the Improv? At the Second City LA, yeah. And then you started taking classes there. And did you go to like, I guess UCB wasn't out here yet? No. Did you go to Groundlings? I tried to get into Groundlings, couldn't get into Groundlings. I did like some preliminary audition and I didn't get in. And so I was like, well, I'll go over to Second City. By the way, That's what a cool. great. How embarrassing for the Groundlings. <laughs> what a great, I love stories like I that. I know. And then I went over to Second City and... There was no audition. I uh-huh. just got in. And the guy in the group was Matt Offerman, whose brother's Nick Offerman. And this is a crazy part of your story that I didn't know. Did you know this part of his uh-uh. story? So you formed like a four-man comedy troupe. We we didn't even get the theater. We were in backyards. We could. Oh, really? Theater. We would just, in Van Nuys, Matt had a house in Van Nuys. And we would just do shows in the backyard. So who was in the group? 
Well, Nick Offerman's brother. And then a guy named Mel Cowan, who now does a lot of Oh, at UCB, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then a guy named Eric Filipkowski. And a guy uh, named J.J. Abrams. Oh. And, and a guy named Steven Spielberg. Uh, and then we figured it out. But, uh, but Eric Filipkowski, I should mention, I was working as a post-PA on a show called The Surreal Life, and he was a transcriber on that show. And he goes, oh, you should come to my level five show. And I go, what's that? Go, oh, whoa. Comedy. It was like, oh, I could perform comedy. Yeah. yeah. Before yeah. that, I was trying to be an auteur filmmaker. That's where the goal was. And I went, oh, maybe I'll try this. Yeah. But what's crazy is I'm assuming because Nick's brother was in the group, Megan saw you guys yeah. perform. She came to Second City LA. So she saw me actually in our level five show. And it was, you know how improv shows go. She happened to come on a night uh. where I was hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She would have come to the show afterwards. <laughs> I sucked. She just happened to come to the right show. Dude, improv like, is so that way you can be a 10 one night and a fucking one yeah. the next uh, night. <laughs> zero. It's kind of great. It kind of makes you feel alive, alive for sure. Yeah, it does. And yeah, and then she saw me in that. And then she told Lauren Michaels about me. And so then Lauren wanted but to let, see let just, the show. So she saw him. Yeah. And then she had to put some effort into getting Lauren's yeah. ear to say, you need to see this guy I saw. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. But I was an assistant editor on Iron Chef America. And I remember at the time and she called me to say, hey, I talked to Laura Michaels. One, that she was calling me. And then two, it was like, I talked to Laura Michaels. And she goes, well, so who do I talk to? I go, me? There's yeah. no one. I don't have anybody. My mom. I'm, yeah. Yeah, my mom, I guess. I got like no manager. So then I went out and I just talked to Lauren and I met him. And he was like, do you know why you're here? And I said, uh, Omega Mullally. And he was like, I was on a boat once. And there was a guy who was funny the way that Bill Murray's funny. And I thought to myself, I know Bill Murray. And I went, End of right. story. And I went right. And then he said, when are you leaving? And I go, I guess today. And he goes, no, you should stay tomorrow and watch the show. And so if you watch Topher Grace's hosting, if you watch Jason Sudeikis, who was a writer at the time, stands up in the audience during the monologue to ask a question. And you see me standing in the back, me like wide-eyed, like, I can't believe I'm at SNL. Wow. This is so insane. And I just was like, this is never going to happen and it's kind of what we were talking about earlier i was just like there's no i'm from oklahoma there's no way this is going to happen so i was totally calm also at yeah. that point you must have some awareness of how the general feeder for snl is you're on main stage at second city 100%. chicago or ucb 100%. or groundlings this is not how it works i, I went oh Zadekas, he got hired before me and then I went, oh that makes sense second city main stage and then i knew they liked Kristen wig that makes sense she's at groundlings yep. a sunday company and i just went well no fucking way. I'm enjoying the trip. Right. But but it wasn't come out in audition. It was come out and meet Lauren. Meet Lauren. And then I came back. We heard, oh, he wants to see the show that Megan saw. And I oh, go, whoa, oh, that God. was an improv show. <laughs> unreplicatable. That's unreplicatable. <laughs> I remember saying, can't we send him like a video? I'm sure someone took a video. And right. it's like, no, asshole. <laughs> so that group then, me and Mel and, and Eric and Matt did a show at Second City Theater for him. And then we blew the roof off the place Again? And, and then and then afterwards i go oh man and feeling really good and he goes were those all your friends in the audience i go 
yeah, is that a problem? <laughs> it's like, well, you know they won't be well, there. <laughs> you got to come to New York where they don't know you. Yeah. So they flew us out to New York. The whole the team. The whole show again. <gasps> wow. And we did the show at UCB Theater on 26th Street. And in the front row was Amy and Tina. Oh, and fuck. I'm like, this is a nightmare. And oh. Amy came backstage. And she was so sweet and nice and just like, you know, good luck out there, guys. And, you know, she bring a leg and everything. Greatest. And, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was talking about smoking. I mean, I was oh. a pack of cigarettes before. I was just smoking like crazy. I went out there. My first joke, nothing. Oh, boy. And there's uh -oh. just odd, the audience is a bunch of New York improvisers going, who the fuck are these well, guys? Well, I'm going to add know? another layer. Probably a lot of them students going, why the fuck are they on that stage? There's yeah. a process to be on exactly, that stage. Exactly. Fuck these guys. Yeah, fuck these guys. <laughs> How is Lauren and see these assholes? Yeah. Who the fuck do they think they and I totally get that. And so I was going, oh, Jesus. I did my second thing and Polar laughed. Uh-huh. And I'm putting money on it. She did not find it funny. She, well, I would, <laughs> just, I'll tell you right now, she did not find it funny. She was helping me out. Yeah. And she yeah. laughed to make that whole room go. God, she's so sweet. Just calm down, everybody. Like, yeah. let these guys a chance. Like, just chill out. And, and she's the queen, so she gives the permission. Queen, especially so. at UCB. Yeah. I mean, she I really mean, is and so queen. she laughed, and it was kind of like the queen, like, oh. Later found <laughs> out that Bobby Moynihan was at that show, and he, I go, I felt like everyone hated us. Bobby's like, we did. But we won them over by the end, and then after that, I was like, I might actually fucking get this thing. This is wild. You know? But that in itself wasn't your audition. Was that no, your audition? then I had to do the official audition. So what's so weird to me about this process is Lauren is putting now so much time into it because he both met with you. Then he came all the way to L.A. and saw yeah. you. And now he goes to a, a second show. Yeah. And yeah. ultimately just for you to audition. I, I still to this day don't know what the method was. Was that super weird with the dynamic of the other people in your improv group? Like, were they like, we're helping you get this nah, thing we I'll all want? I'll tell you what, man, those guys, uh, Mel, Matt, Eric... They, the whole time, were just like, man, let's just help them out. They always knew, God. like, you're into so Bill, nice. and let's help them out. And the day after my last show, so I did my last show on SNL, that next day, I woke up, I called all those guys, and I go, hey, man, I just want to say I'm through that experience, and it never would have happened without you. And I just, I, I love those guys. It's like the Beatles helping John Lennon get taken away for a solo career, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, or like, something. <laughs> yeah, it was just very selfless. Now, I would have been doing that, but in my mind, I would have been like, I'm also going to steal the show and surprise <laughs> everybody that I'm the one. <laughs> like, on paper, I'm helping Bill, but I most certainly... That's more common, I would say. So now you get under the show, You've certainly earned it, yet I could see where if I'm you, I feel like, oh, shit, I sidestepped a few things. D you must have entered with a bit of self-doubt. The whole time I was there. I was The whole time? Yeah, it wasn't until, I remember my fourth season, Lauren said, hey, you can work here as long as you want, like as a way to be like, will you please just relax? I didn't breathe for the first three years, pretty much. And then it's like when John Mulaney came in as a writer and Simon Rich and these people, and I started like kind of feeling a little bit more comfortable. And then you get to this place I did, I was lucky enough later, like my sixth or seventh season where the audience starts to kind of recognize you. Whereas before it was always Andy or Kristen or Amy or these other people, I was always supporting these people. and. I was very happy to be in that place because I was learning from watching people like Amy and another guy that doesn't get a lot of credit is Keenan Thompson. I was watching him because I was like, how is he so relaxed? How oh. is he so calm? 
God, he gives so much in every performance. It's so easy for him. Yeah, he's so not rushed. Huh? No, he finds laughs and things that aren't there. Right. Like you read it and you're like, that's not a laugh. How did Keenan just get a laugh out of that? And I would watch that. Okay, how do you do that? For me, I just took it as a learning experience. And then really did my first season, I was so terrified. I mean, I kind of folded a bit and just kind of wasn't putting up good sketches at the table, really in my head. It, it, it wasn't until Seth Meyers came to me and he could tell I was struggling and he was like, Okay, you know the Italian character you did in your audition? I was like, yeah. He's like, you should do that on the show and you should make it a talk show. And I was like, everybody does talk shows on the show. Why is this? Because it fucking works. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. Presentational. Yeah. yeah. It'll be great. But you got to trust me on this, man. So why don't you come in here? Let's write it. You know? Oh, how nice of him. And so he helped me out tremendously. And we wrote the first Vinny Vedecci sketch and we did it with Julia Louis Dreyfus. And I remember after we did it at the table, you're kind of like, oh, no one notices that I'm batting zero. <laughs> yeah, right. For, I've like had a hot stretch when I started and then I'm nothing. And after we did that sketch, the whole room applauded. And I'm oh. like, oh, they've been noticing. Dude, he needed that, man. And I just remember Seth wrote me a little note at the table and passed it over like, good job. For whatever reason, I don't know that I could articulate it, but you're someone that I think people root for. Oh, yeah. You can tell you're kind and you want, I want you to do good. Oh. All that to say, so all that anxiety, the nerves, you had a panic attack during a sketch. Yeah, I was playing Julian Assange and I had a full on blown panic attack. Yeah, it was when Jeff Bridges was hosting. Oh, I love him. Side note. He's the best. Oh. And he talked to me about it. I talked oh, he about did. anxiety attack. Yeah. And what did he say? He was awesome. He just said, you know, that's your buddy. You know, don't fight that. Oh. Like, put your arm around it. That's your buddy, man. <laughs> Put your arm around it, man. It's just fucking hang out, man. It's great. It was the coolest thing of all time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right. He goes, the more you push it, the more it'll eat you up. Oh, so it's almost worth getting a panic right. attack to be talked down by yeah. Jeff Bridges. Wait, what happened? What happened with the panic attack? Where you couldn't breathe? I feel like you're you're having a heart attack. And what I do, and I did it a lot on the show is I want to put my hand over my face. I just start to put my hand over my mouth, my fist balls up. And Jenna, our stage manager, ran up, and she was next to the camera, and she was motioning me to put my hand down. She's mm. like, put your hand down, you're putting your hand over your face. And I had this long monologue, and so I'm trying to do Julian Assange, but I keep putting my hand on oh. my face. Mm. I remember afterwards sitting down and got in the makeup chair and started kind of crying a bit. Yeah. I just felt bad at my job. I just felt like a... Uh, fuck, dude, you've been here for how long and this yeah. shit's happening? I always felt that some people thought I was just super dramatic. Uh, right, right, you know, like a drama queen. Over dramatic, like, I can't go out there. <laughs> I just can't go out there. I can't breathe. <laughs> you mustn't look at my face. Don't look at my face. It's embarrassing, right? It's super embarrassing, yeah. very insecure. Telling writers, like, maybe just cut that line. Cut. I just wanted very few lines because I didn't want to be out there for very long. I wanted to get in and out. And then I would always get cast as a person running the thing. I was always like, and we're back for the <laughs> right. 2010 debates. And now we have, you know, it was that thing. And I just was like, I can't do it. I'm sure it drove the writers nuts. I remember those guys going, Bill, can't you go out there by yourself and do this thing? And I was no, no, I can't. Got to a place where I'm like, I have to have someone else out there. Or, right. I, mean, I did Elliot Spitzer once and I had the flu afterwards. It was just me out there. Kristen was there, but she had no lines, but it was Elliot Spitzer giving an address. After it was finished, I started getting a fever. I just was, I worked myself up into such a thing. 
And the writers just, I'm sure I would do the same thing if I was them rolling their eyes like, God, what a fucking baby, Jesus. And I was like, I have a problem I'm yeah. trying to figure out here. And at any point were you seeking uh, therapy or anything? Yeah, for? yeah, I went to therapy and that was helpful. Going, what is it that you're afraid of? Is it messing up? Oh, maybe that's it, you know? And so I would do little things of, if it said on the cue cards, hello, ladies and gentlemen, I would go, ladies and gentlemen, how we doing? You know, I would just do something that wasn't on it to make to my break brain out. go, you fucked up. Oh, we're still here. Oh, we're breathing. Fine. Oh. Yeah, you know, kind of like fine. submersion therapy. Like, yeah. Ah, interesting. I had a real legit thought that a light would fall on me, as crazy as that sounds. I'm like, <laughs> the lights will fall at some point. I thought, why isn't someone just running up and grabbing me on stage? I mean, I mean it's really <laughs> crazy. They would go, you know, that can't happen. And I go, right. You know, but then we did a sketch with Justin Bieber where a wall almost fell on him. Oh, really? So then you oh, good. Had you validated. Good. So then I go, see, yeah, uh -huh. the wall almost fell on us. Like, well, it would have been greatest if it fell and killed him, oh, and yeah. everyone would be panicking, and there'd be a shot of you smiling really big. Yeah, like, I knew I, I knew should it. be afraid smiling of it. pointing at it. <laughs> see, <laughs> you know, it was it was the unpredictability of it, which is what's exciting about it. Yes, but. You want control on SNL. It's like, no, man, you're building a house of cards in the deck of a speeding boat. It's impossible. You just kind of go, well, man, I can't worry about all this other stuff. And and I've held on to that, I think, past SNL, where it's like I can control my output, what I'm writing and what I'm creating and how I'm acting and other people's things. I can control that yeah. and I can control some of the input, whatever I'm reading, watching, life I'm I'm living to an extent and who I choose to be around and do with my life. Yeah. So despite all that on SNL, you were the first person nominated for an Emmy on that show since Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I mean, some of that might be Emmy rules stuff too because I think they, they changed the Don't category. downplay this I'm compliment. Just I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, just own it. You were there for eight years. Was there any period of the eight years that were joyful? Oh, it was always joyful being with those people and being with when the show there. wasn't when the show wasn't on. Right, I was having the best time of my life. Right. Were you ever able to enjoy a live yeah. show? Yeah. <sighs> Sometimes it was fun, but most times no. Wow. Do you get sad about that? Yeah. And I would be sad real time. I would go back to my dressing room and the thing would kill and people would be applauding and loving the thing. And I'm like, just fucking enjoy this. And it was always mad at myself that I couldn't let go in a way and just enjoy it. And, and you'd you know, have insomnia, right? You'd yeah, yeah. I would stay up starting Thursday and I would Eich. fall asleep until Sunday. Ugh. And do you still have a hard time sleeping? No, it was oh, totally that. It was just that. Just that show. Yeah. Wow. wow. When you've gone back to host, does that anxiety resume? Or oh, you, yeah. 100%. It does. Yeah. Last time I hosted, Lauren came down. I was like, can you please just relax and try to have fun? <laughs> yeah. Just try to have fun. You own the stage. They clearly like you. Will you please just fucking have a good time? And I'm like, just let me have my process. Because <laughs> then there's this weird part of me that's like, I, it, it worked. And so maybe yeah. that's just my process. But I will say, I'll back up a bit. But you said, did you ever have fun on it? I will say my last two seasons, I would still get very nervous. But I found myself in sketches having a bit more fun, owning it a bit more. And that comes with just kind of confidence. 
but I still was having a hard time sleeping. I still would be really kind of jacked up. But I do wonder as well if you had mentally shifted because so much of that anxiety for me and fear comes from just broadcasting into the future. Like I'm yeah. living in the future. Yeah. And so as you're making your way through SNL, you're like, you want to be there for a long time. Yeah. And I would imagine at a certain point, even you would have to acknowledge, I did it. I'm in year yeah. seven. Yeah. So maybe you could step out of the future a hair and just be a little more present. present. Yeah, that was a lot of it. I think also is just being from how I grew up and my personality, someone that any sort of ambition or anything, like you guys just called me on it of, hey, you won that Emmy. And it's like, well, they changed the, <laughs> I, my brain just kind of goes to that. Well, a braggart was maybe the worst thing you the could be. Worst thing in the world I could be in Tulsa. It's a dude going, fuck you, hater. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that dude sitting next to me. Yeah. And you're like, hey, you won an Emmy. And it's like, yeah. well, it was it. The fucking yeah. rules were what, changed. What, was it an Emmy? It wasn't what, an what, Emmy. Was it? Was it? Was it? You gonna tell me this guy's better than Will Ferrell? Fuck you, man. You know, and it's like, really? You give me a break? Give me a break, homie. So you left SNL, and I have to imagine, obviously, I would imagine someone like yourself had to have been pretty nervous quitting something that was stable. And Yeah, I, th I but I think it was a time where it's like, you just feel like it's run its course. You start to realize this is like a bigger thing, but like life isn't like this one giant arc. It's like these little mini arcs. Chapters, of thing begins and ends and everything. And then so you kind of go like, oh, is the ending of that thing and I'd rather go out feeling good. And are you in real life similar to how you were on the show? Do you have a fair amount of anxiety in life? Yeah, about certain things, but through therapy, meditating, just taking care of myself. So that helped. It's gotten a lot better through managing it. Right. That Jeff Bridges thing of like, put your arm around Stop it. battling Stop it. Stop battling it. Uh -huh. and you go, oh, shit, I'm getting anxious. And there's this this thing of take the narrative out of it. If you're angry or whatever, if you go, oh, I'm so anxious because, take out the because and just go, I'm anxious. Like Ooh. you just kind of hold it in your hand and go, oh, this, this is me anxious. You just say, well, I'm angry. And you just go, that's fine just to be angry. <laughs> yeah. And you just kind of sit down and go, well, I'm angry. Because, no, 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 don't, like, just, you're angry. And it'll pass. And it'll pass. And then you go, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm not that angry anymore. There are a couple things that I admire about you. One is, I'm curious where this comes from. You were smartly happy to play many small roles in great movies. Was it a conscious choice you made? Like you were in Super Bad. That was my first moment. I was like, oh, he can act in movies because you really never know when you love someone from SNL. There's always yeah. like the first time you really see him in a movie, you're like, how's this going to go? And I was like, oh, this guy can do everything. Oh, sweet. But did, did you did you have options to lead stuff and just said, no, I want to yeah. wait? Yeah, what guided me was just, is it good or not? You yeah. know, and just kind of like, I like that. I'm not into that. And I remember an agent actually, you know, passed me off to another agent because I, I was getting meetings for leading things kind of early, but they were things that I wasn't really into. I don't want to say what the name of the movie was, but there was an agent where I got an email. The email said, let me get this straight. Instead of being in blank movie with blank actor for this amount of money, you'd rather be in super bad with the guy who plays George Michael on Arrested <laughs> Development yes. for X amount of money. And then I saw that email and I was like, ugh. 
And then a year went by and Superbad came out mm -hmm. and that movie came out and Superbad did great. And then I replied, yes. Oh, <laughs> so oh you amazing. waited. I waited till the movies came out and then I went, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh that's perfect. What a moment. Yeah. Probably that was one of those great. I was like, I wonder if I still have that email. And I was like, I do. And I was like, I'm going to respond to it. And I was like, yes. I think because I came into this wanting to write and direct and all those other things, the, the acting and performing, it was kind of like I led with like movie nerd first. Normally I'm curious like what actor someone thought they were trying to become. But it sounds like maybe you had more aspirations of like, I want to be Hal Ashby or I want to be. Yeah. Is there a career that you loved that you kind of. I was always just into the movie. I love reading about when I was in high school, reading about Scorsese and Spielberg. And did you read Raging guys. Bulls? Yeah. Uh, oh. Writers Raging Bulls. You know, I read this book, uh, The Emperor and the Wolf about Toshiro Mifune and Akira Kurosawa that's like 900 pages and I've read it twice. Really? I'm like just so into that world and these guys who made these movies that mean so much to me. It was always the movies and the people making them. And, and so doing the show, Barry, because it's about theater, I know nothing about it. I mean, right. I, so I'm always asking them and... I mean, I legit was directing an episode this past season, and I said, um, so you guys are going to go, which way is upstage, which way is downstage? Oh, and they were like, are you kidding? And I yeah. was like, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, I'm a movie nerd. By the way, I've been doing a multicam for a year, and I finally said to the director, literally three weeks ago, I'm like, I have camera left, camera right, I know all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, up and down, I can't get it. And he goes, yeah. oh, well, the stage used to be tilted uh -huh. towards the audience. Oh, I so it was see. higher and back and lower and front. And then once I saw this, I'm like, okay, I finally fucking have it oh, a year and a half later. sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when you decided to do Barry, what led to that decision to make that show at HBO? I, I got off SNL and came to LA and had nothing. And then I wanted to find something I could act in and possibly direct and things like that. And then everybody, because of SNL, was just interested in, it was mostly television stuff. Right. So I went to HBO, and I didn't have an idea. But they had seen me in Skeleton Twins and said, we liked you in that. We would love to do a comedy that's more a comedy drama type of thing. Yeah. We're kind of more interested in that than like a sketch thing. There's this guy, Alec Berg, that we think you would get along with really well. And so Alec and I just started hanging out, and we came up with an idea for a show that sucked that we worked on for like two months and then we both went this blows and uh -huh. came up with this thing and it came out like a lot of good things i'm learning if you go into something like i'm gonna make a show about you know the futility of violence <laughs> right the show's gonna suck <laughs> yeah <laughs> but if you go into it with like oh here's this guy who's lonely and looking for a community oh i can relate to that so is that emotion if you can let that emotion yeah I think just being a guy who watches a lot of movies and stuff just can't help but just want it to feel different. But I look at it, I mean, I just saw Vince Gilligan like three days ago and I was like, dude, I feel like we rip off Breaking Bad so bad on your show. Uh -huh. And he was like, oh no, come on, man, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah. Well, you know what I love about the show is I love anything where you can have violence that is violent, where it's violent. And then it's hysterical at the same time. That's my yeah. favorite kind of mashup. Is, yeah. I think I'm borrowing this from Todd Phillips, but I saw an interview with him one time when they kind of asked him what his definition of comedy was. And for him, it's danger. Like that's what is funny yeah. to him is danger. And I relate to that a lot. And yeah. I love that your show, when it does do violence, it doesn't 
ham it up and it's not super cutty. It's very stale. That's yeah. a weird word to use. It's clumsy. Like, you know, you've seen a fight. It's weird. It's I would watch fights in life and they never were as exciting as they were in the movies. Right. But they were somehow more dangerous and terrifying because of the banality of them. Yes. I remember guys getting in a fight once at a party and then the guy left and I could see through the window, the guy got his ass kicked, walked out with his friend and went to his window. And I saw him in the window go to his bike and he took out something that was wrapped in a cloth and he started undoing it. And I went, this guy has a gun. Uh -huh. We got to get out of here. Yeah. But there wasn't any music that came on. Right. I could just see this thing and someone's having a banal conversation about what just happened and the other guy's laughing and they're getting ice for the guy or whatever. Yeah. And I just was like, we got to leave. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a guy. It was a knife. He came back with a knife and everybody uh -huh. wouldn't let him in. And it was this awful thing. But you have those moments. And after you're out of it, you go, I wish I had seen it more like that. Yes. You know, I think people heard what the show is about. And they go, oh, this is going to be like cute, kind of a glib thing about violence. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I like those shows and, and movies. But I thought for this, it's like, oh, let's make it how it's affected this guy but it is a true test of directing i think you certainly had the idea to execute it the way that you have but then doing it for the first time has to be a little bit addled with like when you were yeah. shooting the pilot were you like oh boy i hope i'm right about this um like was there an inclination to get funny or did you just think occasionally like Maybe I should just cover my ass and make it make this yeah, a little that's, funny. No, that's a good question. Uh, no, again, it's that thing I was saying earlier. It's like it's about the thing and the way this piece of art to sound pretentious. The way this will work is you have to be true to it, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the only way to make it work. And Alec Berg, you know, felt the same way. So maybe I, the reason I, I felt so confident is I had Alec there going like, "No, this is good." Not that I wasn't walking back to my car at the end of the day going like. Did I get everything? Did that, <laughs> right. or was that too insane or was that whatever? You know, what, what What I learned on the show and still I'm figuring out is that so much of it is you, you write it kind of straight, you know, and you figure out the emotions and the logic and you get the story down. And then it's almost like doing Mystery Science Theater with your own material where you're kind of, you do it so many times and it's so serious and laborious that you can't help but start adding jokes because you're tired <laughs> you yeah. know, of looking through it. That helps, you know. I completely agree. That's exactly how I approach writing this. Like I sit down and write a drama always first because I'm sure your brain works this way too. Like it doesn't matter, parenthood, whatever. I could be the most serious scene in the world and my brain is like, uh, Terminator. It's just like, oh, I could do that. It would be funny. Yeah, you have to modulate it sometimes. And sometimes you get, you just like want to be entertaining because people are tired and they're working hard. And so you're like, oh, maybe if I did this and everyone would laugh. But without a doubt, anything that feels false, it's so funny. We'll be looking through takes and it sticks I, out really bad. It just go, nope. So this morning I watched episode five of season two. The fight scene with you and the judo guy. Oh, yeah. Was so spectacular. One long shot. And the longer that goes on, I'm starting to get more and more nervous in a mm -hmm. great way. Well, it's an action scene. And Paolo Dobro, the DP, and I talked about it as being like, how can we do this in one that feels weirdly not, not shooting for action, but almost commenting on it in a way? And she was like, what if they just kind of pass in and out of frame? And then it's just, we just slow it down. And I go, yeah, it's like the cameras from the point of view of someone j j judging the two of them going like, guys, stop. 
what you're are you not, doing? You're not inside of the fight like you no. generally are. You're you're very much outside of the fight. Yeah, and you kind of want to just watch them get tired really quick. And well, and what stuff. I like too is you become overly aware of the setting they're in. Because yeah. again, on most action things, you're so inside of everything, you don't really think about the environment they're in. Yeah. But the way that was shot, I was just like, someone's going through that wall. Like so, you <laughs> like there's this is a real house. Shit's about to get broken. It's my favorite fight scene of all time. Is Brazen Arizona the, oh, yeah. inside the mo mobile oh, home? Yeah, it's amazing. I just remember as a kid laughing so hard that he punched through the wall and then pulled a piece of wood out from the wall. <laughs> and then you started hitting him on the head with it. <laughs> yeah, just like the, the destruction of property to me will always be so funny. You know, Gavin, my first AD, uh, who helped a lot with that episode, and Paula, I think we all just were kind of feeling the same thing, which is, yeah, it's more judging. We don't like that it results to this, even though it is funny. Yeah. He's trying to get out of this, so let's shoot this in a way where it should be embarrassing and weird. Initially, that part was written for like a short, uh, bald, fat guy, uh -huh. and it would be reveal that this little pudgy guy could actually do a bunch, but that guy doesn't exist. And, right. and Daniel, <laughs> as it and, turns out, and Daniel came in, and it was like this super good-looking <laughs> yeah. guy. At first, I was like, "Is that John Hamm?" Everybody thinks that's John Hamm, yeah. and it's oh god, he came into our casting, and oh my gosh, our casting director was like, "Please hire him." <laughs> and uh, nicest guy in the world, and he does an amazing thing in that where he kicks the stunt guy, and he kicks him, and then he breathes for a second, and then he he does a second kick that's like, I mean, those kicks, I, we were right there. I mean, they were those things are real, and he could stop on a dime uh-huh there's takes where he would do it and then it wasn't right for camera and he would just hold his leg up in the air oh is it this way and then he would kind of or do you want me like this uh, like this is that what? okay let's uh let, we'll go back to one you know because it was all one shot yeah and it was just and then he had to kick me in a uh, grocery store and i duck and i was so terrified the director <laughs> when he was going let's do this in one so you see the kick and the guy duck and but the actor was like, no, I don't think we should do that. We should cut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so when we did the thing, he goes, don't you worry, I'll stop. There's one I wasn't down quick enough, and he stopped on a dime right next to my head. Oh, and Came wow. back down and was like, do you want to go again? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to be fine, man. He just was assuring me the yeah, entire time. Like, you're I'm not going to kick you. I'm you're, not going to kick you, I you're, swear. You're the one getting coached on how to duck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't guy. duck right. Yeah, this guy's doing a roundhouse. This guy's doing a roundhouse, and I can't duck correct. Exactly. I can't even duck right. Oh, it was terrible. Well, Bill, my oh, thank man. you so much for giving me thank your time. Thank you, man. This um, was a blast. I'm so glad that you you picked the route you did and that you're doing your show in the exact way you'd want to. You won an Emmy for Best Comedic Lead last year. Mm -hmm. You also got nominated for three for producing, directing, and writing. So that's so great. Thanks. And I hope that you're enjoying this. Thanks, man. Or at yeah. least working towards enjoying it. Yeah, no, I am enjoying it. Everybody's <laughs> like, do you enjoy this? I'm like, I really, I honestly do. I'm calming down. Okay, yeah. good. Thanks, bud. Well, come back uh, and talk to us <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, definitely. This is a blast. All right. Thanks. See you, Bill. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time. Or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI and Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company, then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow I these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it 
what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Intuit, the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you Yeah, on. they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources, like getting a car loan with Credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Welcome to the fact check, Monica. Welcome. Day four of our vacay. I mean, we're working a little bit on vacay. You worked a lot of bit on vacay today. But it's a beautiful backdrop for work. Beautiful Lake Michigan. Listen, all these guys that are like, I'm not going to look at you while I tell you this, but you know, some dudes are coming back from like the Caribbean. I'm like, sure. You want to have a good time? Go to the Caribbean. You want to have a great time? Go to one of the Great Lakes. That's where you can have a great time. The reason you had to look away is because you were doing a weird voice. Well, I was doing the bit yesterday in the water for about an hour, and you only found it funny for about six of the minutes. Yeah, I thought that was a long time for me to be invested. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I would say the bit only had about three minutes of legs. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you find a second (laughs) gear around minute 30 of talking about the Great Lakes. There's a second wind. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't hang in long enough for that second wind. It looks like the ocean. I said that I think maybe you're mistaken or you lied to me. (laughs) Right. You're pretty certain it is the ocean. Yeah. Despite the fact that we can see Chicago from the crow's nest. Well, also last night we watched a series of thunderstorms roll in off the lake. It was lightning and thunder over Chicago. Yeah. And then about four miles from us, it was going crazy. Yeah, it was really cool. It's nice on this... Mm. By the way, I almost said East Coast. That's not where we are. Well, we're in the Midwest. Midwest. Far east from L.A. Yeah. Quite a a dramatic display of static electricity. Yeah. We saw a few bolts. A lot of bolts, yeah. Yeah. It's very nostalgic for me and you. Yeah. 
I was hoping it would turn into a supercell and we'd see a big old funnel cloud drop down and suck up some of that seawater. Sure. You wanted a tornado? I wanted a tornado. Mm. I love them. You shouldn't say you love tornadoes. They kill people. I love tornadoes. I'm one of these people that fantasize about being a storm chaser. I love mm. being in that weather system. Yeah. I filmed one. Gray and I were on a motorcycle trip. And we had to pull under a, a Vidoc under the highway uh-huh. in South Dakota and one ripped right overhead. I was running my uh, video camera. Oh, cool. All the South Dakota folks were bored out of their mind. Like we were so excited, Brie and I, we were like going crazy. Something about the barometric pressure, everything looks yellow all of a sudden. We're so excited to be experiencing it. And then all the folks from South Dakota were just in their car under the Vidoc, nearly falling asleep because I think it was such a regular occurrence Oh, to they're them. just used to it. Yes. Huh. Yeah. How crazy. Mm. Billiam Hater. Yeah, yeah. Bill Hater. What a cool dude. A cool dude in a loose mood. <laughs> well, that's not how you'd describe Bill. I wouldn't describe him in a loose mood. No. no. Part of his charm is that he's not really in a loose mood. No. He talks about that, obviously. Everyone's heard it by now, but yeah. his anxiety. Mm-hmm. God bless him for pushing through all that because it sounds overwhelming. I know. And it was especially bad on SNL, and he did that for so many years. Yeah. Almost a decade. And you would never know. I mean, I didn't know. I had no idea until I heard him talk about it on H. Stern. It's funny because, you know, he breaks a lot. Like, he laughs a lot. Uh-huh. That's connected to the anxiety. Mm. But it seems like, oh, he's just, like, loose and fun. In a loose mood. He's in a loose mood. With a loose not stool. in a loose mood. Yeah. We don't know about his stool. <laughs> No, no, no. We Although, no I think well, anxious people have loose stool. I do, yeah. too. I think so. <laughs> I think it can often lead to Hannes Rio. Speaking of which, Uh-oh. a raccoon assaulted the deck last night. Ugh, I missed it. I woke up <laughs> after the raccoon. The raccoon had put one cleaned. one plop down and then uh, Hannes Rio on the stairs. Yikes. <laughs> we theorized because I had left a Ziploc bag next to the grill oh. with all that salmonella probably. And that raccoon ate that maybe bag. Oh, he ate it, and then he got quickly sick. Yeah, and then he liquefied it. (laughs) Oh, no. This is just our theory. We don't know. Sure. That's a good theory. (laughs) I think so. You've got, you know, a bag of old chicken water in it. Yeah, ew, 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 ew. And an undiscerning raccoon. Oh, man, that poor guy. He thought he was really hitting the jackpot. Yes, if you don't live around raccoons and you just see them on TV and cartoons, yeah, poor guy. But if you've grown up around raccoons, they are pesky little fuckers. I mean, they are cute. You know that story where the woman's in my backseat of my Pontiac? No. My Pontiac Catalina, I got out of high school. I pulled up to my house. I sprinted inside, left the door open. Because you had diarrhea? No, I had to get my work clothes oh. on, and then I had to bolt over to Troy. Okay. So I left the door open, and then I get in the car, and I'm driving down the road, and I hear all this paper rustling around the oh, back seat. Geez. So I'm, like, driving and putting my hand over the back of the seat and, try, like, trying to figure out what's blowing around back there. <gasps> Pull up to a gas station to grab a pack of smokes before I go to work. And right as I put it in park, I turn my head left to open the door to get out. And the fucking raccoon is on the headrest. <gasps> and, and it's a sizable raccoon. And I, I froze in panic. I mean, it was so close to my face. Oh, my God. And then it just looked at me. And then it jumped down out the window into the gas station parking lot and just piddled away. And filled up somebody's gas. He probably got a pack of smokes himself. They're rascals. I think they smoke. (laughs) That is very scary. That's a big pop out. (laughs) Probably the biggest real life pop out I've ever had. I can't believe you didn't scream. I know you were panicked, but I would have screamed so loud out of just 
sheer jumpiness. I don't think you would. I think I went to where you go to like- When you're dying. No, you'll see prey. They stay dead still because your eyes react to motion. I was just frozen, frozen, (laughs) coming out this Thanksgiving. Yeah, I just, I didn't want to move or make a noise because I thought it was going to lash out at my face with its claws and teeth. Oh my God. Yeah. We're lucky. You could have been totally disfigured. Yeah. So, look, I understand if you're a card-carrying member of PETA, you don't like this take, but I don't mind if I gave a raccoon diarrhea, just for my history with them. Sure. And they've ruined so many camping trips. They eat all your donuts. Well, they'll eat any damn thing. Yeah. Well, clearly. (laughs) They'll eat salmon, a bag of salmonella water. Yeah. A couple things. So that story reminds me of season one finale of Veronica Mars. One of my favorite shows. What happened? There was a raccoon? No. She was driving and Mm. basically the bad guy pops up for, he's sitting in the back seat. And I think about that so often when I'm driving at night. Uh Uh-huh. That I'll look in the rear view mirror and a murderer will be there. Right. And was that, that wasn't the first time you'd ever seen that on a TV show or a movie, was it? Sure was. It was? Because that's a very well-worn trope. I actually don't know if it was, but it was the most effective. Yeah. It's the one you think of while you're driving in the evening. I think about it all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's very scary. (laughs) Secondly, the probability of me being right about it being diarrhea, 95%. With the raccoon? You getting out of your car and running in. Oh. Most likely you're doing that if you have diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. I didn't drink the level of coffee in my youth that I do now. I oh. think that's got a lot to do with my... Loose stool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> my chronic and persistent. I'm sure it is. Coffee is a big... Well, big. nicotine. Oh, nicotine is a diuretic You too? invite both those ingredients to a dance in your stomach. Oh, yeah. Ew. And you're going to have a problem in your pants. Mm. Okay, anyway. So, Bill, we talk about... You tell the story, our old story, about... You saying I was a babysitter and me not liking it. You think that you said you wanted your babysitter to try ecstasy, but I think shrooms. Shrooms. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think it was shrooms because that's what we were talking about the day before, mm. and you were talking about creativity and opening up your mind and yeah, stuff like and that. Pretty compelling data that says you have sure. permanent increase in creativity. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I know many people who've done shrooms who. I'm sorry. They just don't seem creative to me. But are they more creative than they would have been? I just don't know. Maybe they went from a zero to a point one. Oh, my God. That reminds me of George Zimmerman's fitness. <laughs> if you guys remember uh, during the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin trial. trial, they put George Zimmerman's personal trainer on the witness stand and they asked to evaluate his level of physical fitness out of 10. He thought about it very sincerely for 30 seconds, and mm. then he said, I would say he was a 0. 0.5. Yeah. A fucking... Yikes. A 0.5. Under oath, he said that. Yeah, I think someone paralyzed from the neck down is a zero. Yeah. And here he's a 0. 0.5? Yeah. If I had a trainer and he evaluated me to be at 0. 0.5 physical fitness out of 10, I would be humiliated. Was he doing that to help him? He was doing it to say he, there's no way he could have defended himself. Yeah. That or, he, like he had to shoot him. Right. No, no. Well, that's not how it read to me. Oh. It didn't seem like this trainer liked him. He's not a likable guy. Mm, uh, no, On top he's not. of the obvious stuff, 
He also just doesn't have an award-winning personality. He's, he's sure. adult. He's been arrested like 20 times since. Yeah. I'm exaggerating intentionally. Oh, you I don't, are? I, well, I don't know the exact number of times he's been arrested, but he has been around. I don't want to get sued by dopey yeah. George Zimmerman. Oh. Yeah. Well, I can call him a fucking dope. You can. He I is hate a dope. Him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You said you didn't know anyone from Tulsa and that there's not a lot of Tulsa, Oklahomans. Uh, uh, That's a hard thing to say. Tussins. But there are 401,000, almost 402,000. People Tulsa's. in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Yeah, in 2017. Well, I'm sure it's only going up. I don't think there's been a mass exodus, no. No, 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 no. How many people are in Los Angeles? Well, it gets tricky because you've got the three-county area that generally is what's included. Mm -hmm. Like New York City has 9 million people. Or, oh, wow. And, and we have 12 million, but in the three-county area. Got it. But our, our actual city population, I think, is more like six. It's less than New York City's. Okay, but still much more than Tulsa. Oh, drastically more, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. so Tulsa still doesn't have very many people. I guess well, we're right. sub-million, you know? Yeah, sub-mill. Well, we were just in Cleveland, and they had around 380,000 or something. It was pointed oh, out. Oh, yeah. okay, small. Yeah. Smaller than Tulsa. Smaller than Tulsa. Wow, wow, wow. Detroit has just under a million Oh. How many has Atlanta got? I don't know. I would guess in Atlanta, I'm going to go with a guess of 1.8 million people. And Wobby Wobble. Uh, I can get internet. Oh, right. Yeah. I will guess 2.3. Okay. <laughs> Listen, if you want good internet, go to the Bahamas. If you want great internet, don't come here. 486,000 in 2017. In Atlanta? No, that's mm -hmm. not right. Maybe that's talking about... Maybe it's a tiny, tiny little downtown area. How about metropolitan area? If you add that to the search. Yeah. Yeah, probably geographically is a very tiny mm. area. The Metro, 5.9 million. Hey oh, hey wow. I knew it. Holy snikes. Snikes. Okay, 5.9. All right. That's a nice piece of population I knew right it because there. there's so much traffic. It couldn't be mm -hmm. small. Yeah, it can be a beating to drive through that city. Yeah, it's really not fun. Okay, so he gets migraines. Ugh. Yeah. It's my nightmare. So older theories about migraines suggested that symptoms were possibly due to fluctuations in blood flow to the brain. Now, many headache researchers realize that changes in blood flow and blood vessels don't initiate the pain, but may contribute to it. Current thinking regarding migraine pain has moved more toward the source of the problem as improved technology and research have paved the way for a better understanding. Today, it is widely understood that chemical compounds and hormones such as serotonin and estrogen often play a role in pain sensitivity for migraine sufferers. Ooh. One aspect of migraine pain theory explains that migraine pain happens due to waves of activity by groups of excitable brain cells. These trigger chemicals such as serotonin to narrow blood vessels. Serotonin is a chemical necessary for communication between nerve cells. It can cause narrowing of blood vessels throughout the body. Mm. When serotonin or estrogen levels change, the result for some is a migraine. Serotonin levels may affect both sexes, while fluctuating estrogen levels affect women only. Okay. Okay. Some triggers. Okay. Just trigger warning to the audience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here comes some actual triggers. Yep. Stress. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. Biological and environmental conditions such as hormonal shifts or exposure to light or smells. Mm. Fatigue and change in one's sleep pattern. Mm-hmm. Glaring or flickering lights. Okay. Weather changes. Certain food and drink. Mm, that's a lot of stuff to avoid. 
It's really everything. <laughs> they just describe planet Earth. Yeah, it's yeah. everything. They clearly don't have it figured out. They haven't narrowed it down at all. No. God, it'd be so frustrating to suffer from migraines Oof. and that be your answer. Well, it could be uh, <laughs> changing weather or, I mean, come on. Anytime Thanks. stress, which is always yeah. an answer to every single ailment, it's yep. like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about that. The only way to live pain-free is to live your entire life in a sensory deprivation chamber tank with an IV of athletic greens to keep you alive. Oh, wow. That's it. That's the only way you could not feel pain. Well, no, because I think I would be stressed out if I was in that for a long time because I'd feel like, what is happening out there? Okay, so I'm then missing I, out. In your IV pick, we'll also be putting some kind of benzo, Ativan, Xanax, okay. some kind of anti-anxiety. Okay. And then we'll have you stress-free. And then pain-free. Every time you say migraine pain, I want it to just be my pain. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a nice rhyme. Yeah. Migraine pain. Migraine pain. <laughs> Not alliteration or onomatopoeia. No, just regular rhyme. Just regular words. <laughs> no, they rhyme. They rhyme. That's true. Yeah, pain and grain. No pain, no grain. That's what it would be. Yeah. How are you doing today? Well, no pain, no grain. Uh-huh. Or you can flip that. How are you doing today? No grain, no pain. That's better. That should be one of the commercials for the migraine medicine. Okay. No grain, no pain. I wonder if people would get it. Nope. Yeah, they would. No, <laughs> no. But it's a nice Easter egg for the people who do. They would think it was an advertisement for a paleo diet. Like no grain, no pain. Yeah. They would just think it was <laughs> grain. They would think it was the obvious thing. I like what it is, not, grain. Not a shortened version of migraine. You said unreplicatable. Mm. Great and word. It's not a word. Sure. That's what I was checking. <laughs> um, unreplicable. Who unreplicable? You know of that. Course, of you know that word, of course. of course. And me even saying it incorrectly is unreplicable. <laughs> I don't even think you I can, can do yeah, it. You can't do it? No, Try. I can't do it if I do it. Well, it is also unreplicatable. Oh, you did it. Oh. <laughs> Guess it wasn't unreplicable. <laughs> that makes me think of reputation. Sure. Unreplicable. Do you think you have a good reputation? Hey, that's great. Yes, I think I have a fine, but only through meeting some of these strangers on the podcast. If I deduced, I do have an okay reputation. Because remember Adam Pally was on, there's a couple of different comedians that are younger. And I'm like, oh, you must've thought I was a hack and I was terrible. And a couple of them said, no, I knew people you worked with and they liked you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you could say to your daughter or son, like, oh, don't date them. They are unreplicable. No. So it sounds like a bad reputation. Oh. <laughs> And then that kid would have to say, Dad, you're not using that word right. Well, no, I'd say until they can clone, I'm saying it correctly. They're unreplicable. Okay, so that's actually a positive. Sure. Take it how you will. <laughs> Don't date that guy. He's unreplicable and he's too special for you. He's unreplicable and, and unrecognizable. You don't deserve him. <laughs> That's all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was quick. There weren't that many facts. I mean, I might have missed some. Okay. I'm well. sorry if I did. Mm. I don't think I did, though. Don't apologize for perfection. <laughs> it's unreplicable. <laughs> it's very unbecoming and unreplicable. <laughs> it really sounds like marbles in the mouth saying it. Let me hear you uh, hit it one Unreplicable. Moment. Yeah. That sounds like a mess. It sounds like a car accident <laughs> in your mouth <laughs> with, with marbles and chewing gum. Big old mess. Well, I love you. Let's double down on this vacay and really commit yeah. to raging hard. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> night, night. Bye.